0: law focus podcast law focus point point of information
1: good evening and welcome to another show of law focus i'm back tonight millicent Duane is my name and i'm together with tap thank you for keeping it down all by yourself last example
2: yeah yeah it was a quite interesting show and uh we, it, went, it, it, it went nicely. We had a very, very in-depth conversation, but we missed you. We missed you a great deal.
1: Oh thanks. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. And to you, the listener, welcome to FM 88.1. Tonight we're going to talk about sexual violence in the workplace and in institutions of learning. It's a very sensitive but very important topic. Have you ever been violated before? Who me? Yeah, you.
2: No, I, I I've never been violated. No, and, and and in fact, I've, I've had quite, quite, um, quite good experiences from that point of view. Uh, I haven't had any problems. No, mm. Nothing I can compl- Nothing inappropriate. Nothing I can complain about.
1: That's interesting because a lot of. The other gender,
2: yes, yes has
1: been yes, violated a lot, and I'm simplifying it because we know that it's more complex than much more complex than just male and female. And issues of consent are very important when we talk about this topic, which is why we're going to uh, obviously delve into the Sexual Offences and Related Matters Act, and also look at how the Labour Relations Act, in terms of the Code of Good Practice on Sexual Relations, also fits into this conversation. Unfortunately, yeah. institutions of higher learning depending on how you see it, have their own self-regulated policies which might be a good thing which might be a bad thing
2: yeah I mean they would be able to regulate themselves insofar as how to deal with um, uh, sexual harassment is concerned Uh, but as soon as we move into the realms of 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 actual violence and and, uh, sexual assaults that would be a a criminal capacity
1: yes we're going to be joined by the director for the VITS gender equity office her name is Miss Charlene Birkus and she is going to help give us a very powerful insight because she deals with this on a daily basis and I have no um, <clears throat> excuse me I am sure that her insight is going to be absolutely excellent
2: yes yes I mean it's an office dedicated to gender issues which is It's wonderful. We're very fortunate to have her on the show. Now, this wouldn't be a conversation without you. So we'd like you to join us on on Twitter using the hashtag LawFocus. It's at VowFM. Remember, the hashtag is uh, LawFocus. Our podcasts are at iono.fm. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Iono, um, uh, and remember you're tuned into Law Focus, and it's on Vow FM 88.1. Uh, before we get into our our discussion with our with our guest, let's take at our legal hotspots. A quick look at uh, the hottest legal stories of this week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories of the, of stories the week, of the week here is is legal hotspots. Hot
1: So, in our first story this week, we have the South African National Editors Forum that has lodged a complaint against the EFF, basically the supporters of the EFF, whom they have complained about using violence and threats against the media yeah. so they lodged those complaints yeah. not the just the media courts. but
2: specific members of the media specific journalists as well
1: yeah because yeah, we remember not so long ago in may actually when karima brown was being threatened with the yes. rape-
2: yeah, she took the matter to, to court if I, if, I, if, I, if I remember recall correctly And she prevailed
1: And that's why that's why this is very important The outcome of this case I think is very important Because yeah. it speaks to the protection of journalists As well as media freedom Which is something yeah. that we spoke about not so long ago On this show yeah. um, As it stands um, Malema and the EFF have not um, taken steps To call their supporters to order And that is precisely why this case Is being taken to the fore Of course they want the EFF if leadership to be held to account for the abuse of journalists, even if it's not them directly who sometimes do the dirty work, but their supporters.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a very important case. Uh, It doesn't quite delve into what we call incitement, uh, you know, as the crime of incitement, but, I mean, it is a sort of a grey area, and it's good that we've got a competent uh, forum which will make a decision on that. Absolutely. Okay, moving a little bit uh, uh, more on a personal level, Adam Katsavelos. Uh, If if you remember him, the very famous uh, South African man of Greek descent. Your friend? Uh, Well, you know, friend, I'm not sure this one. Anyway, I don't think he'd consider me a friend anyway. Uh, The South African Human Rights Commission uh, has offered Adam Katzavellis a settlement. Uh, He has to pay an amount of 200,000 rand to a charitable organization and apologize all South Africans. Katzavellas was at the Equality Court yesterday on charges of hate speech and discrimination for racist comments he made in 2018 while he was on holiday in Greece. What he did was record himself on his own cell phone uh, commenting, he was on a beach there in Greece, and he, he commented on how happy he was that there was a total absence of black people on that beach, in reference to black people he used the K word. Uh, and this has landed him of course in, in hot water, anybody with two brain cells, would know that that would land you in hot water. But uh, anyway, um, and he may. Interestingly, he may also face charges in Greece for his utterances. That's a good thing. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's. So uh, I mean, there, there's often this. Disc- there's often this sort of um, narrative in South Africa that we're too sensitive about these things. We, we've got other things to worry about. Uh, but this is evidence that if you do something like this, whether it's in Germany or China or in Japan or the U.S. or or in Sudan or. Nigeria there will be consequences right the uh, 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 the, uh, the Human rights Commission's Bo buang Jones says the commission brought the application uh, to the Equality Court for Katvela's comments to to be cleared to be declared hate speech
1: the only part I don't understand about the story is the whole awarding to uh a foundation of yeah. money by the person who did wrong that yeah. i don 't quite get
2: yeah, well, you know you have, you have to sometimes ask yourself, is that justice uh, because if i 'm a very wealthy man, does it make a difference if i 'm paying a fine or not exactly. Have I really changed i uh, i don't know, I sometimes get the impression that the bigots are sorry that they were caught rather than sorry or very remorseful for their actions, but anyway, uh the other one. The other very interesting development today is again with the public protector uh, this is now i think the the fourth consecutive week where she has been in headlines but it was something very different this week uh, the public protector has stated that the media has no right to speak to her mother, particularly in the midst of illegal battles with the president and uh, Province Gordon. Mkwebane says that speaking to her mother is a serious violation of privacy and security issue. She also adds that it reminds of apartheid times when they were trying to discredit her. Now, News 24 I spoke to Mkwebane's mother, uh, Martha Mkwebane. Uh, earlier this month who said she was concerned about her how her daughter would manage to pay the legal fees if you recall uh... last month uh... the constitutional court upheld the judgment by the pretoria court that uh... the the, the public protector must pay a portion of the legal fees of Absa Bank Corp and the Reserve Bank in a personal capacity. It's an interesting case. I think, I think, and this is just an opinion that you can disagree if you want. That the that the uh, media probably overstepped the mark. The mother of the public protector's got nothing to do with the work of the public protector. Well, that's really that's has got nothing do to do with.
1: It. I think, yeah. Media ethics, journalism ethics yeah. should play yeah. a
2: part in this yeah. one. In as much as we want a free and fearless media, it's gotta be self-regulating. They gotta know the limits. What my father does has got nothing to do with me, Tapumapi. What Tapumapi does, she shouldn't, you know, really be uh, something that anybody asks my father about. It really isn't. Uh? We'll see how it turns now, out. Sexual and violence and workplace, uh, so sexual violence in the workplace and institutions of. Learning—that is our discussion today. Remember, on Twitter, we are at Vow FM using the hashtag Law Focus. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, all of, the stories of, the of the week is legal hotspots. hotspots. Listening to Law Focus,
3: connect with Vow FM eighty-eight point one on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer.
1: The Centre for Applied Legal Studies table is a small organization right here at FITS, a big organization in terms of the work that it certainly does
2: yeah, do. Yeah, quite important work. There. Yeah, more
1: yeah. like a a, a law clinic no. and it's but handling a, an important case right now. What happened is we have Hyde Park High School uh, who failed their duties to protect one of their learners. So they are helping this particular learner and her mother in a damages claim against her teachers, her principal, the school's governing body, as well as the Department of Education. What happened is that in 2015, this young lady was 15 years old and she was being harassed by a fellow learner at the school. And this harassment continued until on his 18th birthday, he insisted that she meet up with him, otherwise... Something is going to happen. Yeah. What the otherwise is, I'm not sure.
2: she yeah, So she basically he made a serious. Threat he made a
1: serious threat. Thing. She tried to tell the teacher. She received no help or little help, and eventually she met up with a guy, and unfortunately he sexually violated her. Thereafter she went and she reported to the teachers and the principal what had happened. They made her recount the story several times and. Still, they did not go to the authorities to report the matter. No involvement involvement of the police or uh, a child protection organization or even the Department of Social Development, which, by law, they are obligated to do. So, her and her mother managed to go and lay a charge at the police station. Three years later, this young man was convicted of attempted rape and he was sentenced to eight years in prison, four of those being suspended. Right now, they are trying to hold the teachers and the principal accountable for failing to report her violation, which they had a duty to do as they were the ones who were in, um, in whose case she was at the time. And the Department of Education, interestingly, has already held uh, an internal disciplinary process where they have found the actions of the principal to have been irresponsible and they found him guilty of misconduct. And right now, they're hoping that they will be successful in a claim, a damages claim against him and everyone else who was involved in the system who Failed in their duties to protect the the young lady, so that's the yeah. case.
2: Yeah,
1: and it.
2: So that's I mean that's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, we we'll see how that one goes. It opens up uh, the the door to quite a few questions. The first one would be that it's taken three years to secure a conviction uh, in 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 the criminal courts over three years, which which is worrisome, uh, but unfortunately not unusual, and that's the one thing that we pick up from there. Uh, But I don't know what the prospects of success are without having known uh, the specific facts of what happened. There seems to be a threat, you say, She then goes over to go and and meet him. I don't know whether it's on the premises or not on the premises. And uh, there's an assault that takes place. Also, I don't know whether it's on the premises or not on the school premises or not on the school premises as well. Um, And I'm I'm, I'm also not certain at what point the, the parents were informed, got involved, were they aware of this threat prior to the sexual assault taking place. Of course, the actions of the school... After the assault are deplorable, really they are. Even before um, the the they should the, have handled it. They should have done something much better about it. Um, schools, you know, you, you take your child to school. Uh, and they spend a good deal of the day there from, you know, half past seven in the morning until if they two, just... Three. Yeah, until they, if they just do school, school work and stuff, they're there until two o'clock or so. Uh, that was the case when I was in high school anyway. Uh, and if they're doing extramurals on the premise, they can be there until five. So it's a big portion of the, the school is there and they're in the care of... Of 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 the of, states, of, the, of, of, you know, the teachers, the principals, and, and the people who whose job it is not only to educate but to some degree take care of the the minors who are in their charge, um, and in this instance, it will appear that there was a total failure, a total failure, mm. a to prevent it and b once it had occurred to take real steps uh, to to resolve the issue to. It, to, to force the, uh, the uh, child to recount the story several times, totally unnecessary. And then well. not
1: do anything about it.
2: Yeah, and and then and and then some leave it to the mother and the parent, to, the, you know, to to go and sort out as well. It does seem a remiss. It should have been a simple case. L- l- let's take it now from the point after the assault had, had, had taken place. As soon as the, the, the teacher, who it was reported to, I'm assuming, it was reported to a teacher who was perhaps uh, closer to the child. Uh, whether it's you know the the grade teacher or a teacher that you felt comfortable speaking to, as soon as that happened, then you know a counselor should Teddy Bear Clinic exists. All of that should have been almost immediately. You know those facilities are available; they really are available. You can do it almost immediately as well, uh, and uh, that 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 really didn't happen. There seems to be a washing of the hands from this, and this could set a precedent.
1: An interesting
2: one A very interesting precedent Opening
1: up the floodgates For the Department of Education To easily get sued When harassment takes
2: place Well for a dereliction Of their duties You can't always In in, in the general sense Our law doesn't allow One party To be held responsible For the actions Of another party Generally There are some exceptions But a dereliction Of your duties Will almost always result And if that dereliction Results in damage To somebody else Or um, some sort of of, um, injury to another person whether it's their person or whether it's their uh, property or whatever but if you're in dereliction of your own duties that will almost always result in a criminal uh, not in a criminal in a civil suit against you i haven't heard of a case like this before i'd be very interested to see what the outcome of this case is
1: Me like. too, definitely yeah. and speaking of um outcomes and recourses that people have we were talking about this particular matter but generally uh, when an employee or a student has been violated sexually by their uh, superiors, colleagues, peers, whatever the relationship, what recourse do they generally have against the perpetrator for the crime?
2: So, le- 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 let's distinguish between sexual assault and sexual harassment. Okay? Sexual harassment may not be necessarily a criminal offense. So that may be unwanted attention, flirting... Those types of things, okay. Um, that wouldn't involve touching. Touching would be some a form of sexual assault.
1: But the cat calling, the
2: cat calling—that stuff that happens at work. So what you can do there, and what you should be able to do there, is to um, approach management, and uh, management then has an obligation, really, to institute disciplinary proceedings against the person that it's uh, alleged, uh, the alleged of you know offender. And uh, if the person is found guilty, they should take necessary steps. That is actually a dismissible offense, okay? Uh, There's case law. I've I've forgotten the specific case, so I stand under correct. I think it's a Naspers case. I think so. Uh, Wherein a lady was, and it's quite an old case, it's in excess of 10 years old. And it crystallized case law in respect of uh, sexual uh, harassment, where... The lady was at suffering at uh, you know sexual harassment at the hands of one of her colleagues. She reported it to her superiors. They did really nothing about it. They basically told her to toughen up. Uh, very little was done about it, and uh, uh, and uh, the sexual harassment continued to the point where she resigned. She then sued them for um, in constructive dismissal, and she won the case. Uh, and that crystallized it to, to say that listen, the work environment was so bad mm. and so intolerable. the employer had allowed it to become so toxic. completely toxic that she could no longer continue to be the, not only that but she had even tried to resolve it internally and she, there was no rec- she had gotten no assistance there, and so it cost that company an incredible amount of money, which is correct because they should have fixed the, the problem when it comes to sexual assault. Sexual assault is a criminal case and therefore it should be taken up in a criminal way. Okay, So a a normal docket should be opened. The person, for a sexual assault, they will be arrested. eh? They will not be warned to appear. They will be arrested. Mm. And then the wheels of justice will turn even if it's very slow three and a half years as we heard now um, sometimes longer uh, but they will turn and that is the way to deal with sexual assault
1: and as we saw in this case i know we're still going to wait for the outcome of this one but is it possible then to generally take um the outcome for the criminal case especially if you were successful and Mm -hmm. there was a conviction and use that to then lay a civil claim
2: yeah, I mean, uh, our law will would very often not to exclude the other. It's not common in South Africa to to do that, uh, but it's not unheard of. For, I'll give you a simple example where an assault occurs and I damage let, let let's for instance say your eye um, in your in a in in an assault. I'm then convicted, say of assault GBH, and I'm 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 sentenced maybe to. A, Term of imprisonment, suspect, whatever the case may be, but I get a sentence. So there's nothing to prevent you from then um, uh, from then pain suing damages. me for medical uh, damages, Negligions. for pain, and some, not medical negligence, remember, for your medical oh, costs. Yes, yes, yes for, yeah. <laughs> uh, for the pain and suffering that you've caused for disfigurement, mm. all of those. There's nothing to prevent that from happening. Okay. Although it would be quite difficult perhaps to quantify. Um, you know, someone's chastity always difficult to quantify someone's hurt and all of that, but yeah, there's nothing in our law to prevent it. Mm. And you spoke
1: also of the time frame, <laughs> you make an example of the three years that mm. it took in this, um, case the Hyde Park school case,
2: mm. and, and th- 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 that's right really to, to, to be. be to, Result in a conviction, eh? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. For its result in a conviction, but you know, really postponements happen a lot in in the justice system. Mm. Um, it's a norm in these sexual offences cases. What's your take on whether that does not then put? victims or survivors at a disadvantage um, of not getting their well-deserved justice because of this lapse.
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, it really does. Um, Particularly with such a traumatic event, um, it, it, you know, I'm a, when I deal with criminal matters, I'm obviously a criminal defense attorney. And so I would be uh, defending the accused rapist. And there is a definite disadvantage to testifying years after the the offense. There will then be inconsistencies that are almost inherent just because your memory, exactly. your memory is not like a tape recorder. It's affected by things that happen past that, mm-hmm. you know, your emotions at the time of the incident, at the time that you're recalling the incident. So all of those things play a big fact. The age of the accused, of the not of the accused, of the person testifying as well, so it has a big impact uh, that the time delays do. But they, these delays, I want to tell you, are not unique to sexual assaults. So they are common in our justice. They really are. There's a heavy reliance. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. There's a heavy, heavy reliance on very few practitioners, very few prosecutors, uh, relative to the amount of cases that they have to deal with. There are very few prosecutors. There are very few public uh, defenders as well. And so it, it piles up and it piles up. And if a matter is set for trial, you know, it can only sit, that court will sit on that one matter for that day basically they'll deal with a few postponements in the morning but come 10 or 11 o'clock they sit for trial it almost sounds um, like it's
1: something that's not taken seriously
2: no no it's taken seriously oh no 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 oh, no 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 our law changed in, in respect of sexual offenses it changed our law used to be really archaic it was very very difficult to get a conviction on on sexual assaults in the past it's still a very difficult task but it has been taken seriously it's just that it doesn't always translate the good sentiments all of the good legislation doesn't always translate on the ground into what happens in practice
1: you know what makes it worse Tepo. I mean I haven't taken the stand before but it's when you listen and you read a lot of articles of survivors it sounds like they are victimized over and over and over again mm. during the trial is there no better empathic way that lawyers um and ju- even cross-examination that has to be the worst in how they relay the questions? um in a manner that to take into consideration that this person went through a lot of turbulence yeah, yeah. already and it's hard enough that they hear us speaking openly about this this violation that has mm. occurred to them and yet when they are asked questions it's so nonchalant. Um, Think of Timothy Omotoso's case in how you know that was also done. Da- like it's so nonchalant.
2: Yeah. Um, listen, the, the, the South African courts have come a long way. They used to be particularly insensitive, I think, um, to the feelings and the circumstances of survivors of a, uh, sexual assaults. Uh, I think they've come a long way. For instance, if, a ch- if, 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 if the survivor of a sexual assault is under the age of 18, they're a minor, they will be allowed to testify in, in camera. So they'll be in a different room, uh, in a more relaxed environment, so they will be able to um, to, uh, to testify. In certain instances, an application can be made for even an adult to testify in camera. They can be identified, but they might still be, uh, they might testify in camera. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. The other thing that you have to also take into consideration is that the court needs to get to the truth. And the only way that it can get to the truth is by really investigating and allowing for a witness as painful or as traumatic as the experience is to be able to tell their story and to be able to tell what it is that the accused has done to them and the accused also then because he has a right to a fair trial must be able to properly interrogate and cross-examine the witness to test whether what they're saying actually tallies with the evidence so it's a fine balance between being very sensitive and very um, and very uh, uh, aware of what happens to the victim also must be balanced with the pursuit to, of justice and the right to a fair trial there, there is a matter that one I've read about in the UK which concluded last week or two weeks ago where a, a total fantasist uh, had made up allegations against very very prominent members of 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 the British uh, uh, society and these are historic claims and the system almost went into overdrive and people's lives were completely ruined it's now I think three years later and the allegations were totally totally false now that was an indication of a system and I'm not saying a lot of allegations are false. This, this is not the case. Mm. But that's an, an indication of a system that puts too much credence on just the word of a victim. Which is why they would want to have the evidence of maybe yes. DNA. Yes. If they don't have that, then... Precisely. And uh, they, 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 they they published names and they went into into people's homes and, and so on just on on the on the on the version of one person without anything corroborating it, they were very eager to get uh, you know to get to to get this thing in uh, you know un, un, you know under control mm-hmm. but they kind of went too far in doing so so you want to balance it you don't want to have a uh, a system that's co- totally insensitive to victims and, and survivors of sexual assault on the other hand you don't want a system that has no control measures for an accused to be able to at least test what is being said at some point uh, and vigorously tested as mm. well so that his life is not ruined based on allegations
1: sounds like a very very difficult and very onerous way of dealing with uh, uh, sexual violations yeah. but thank you so much tabu i think you have given us a really good insight on uh the, the legal technicalities of how sexual violence Um, affects us in the workplace and in institutions of higher learning and generally just how it impacts on um, (coughs) us in a a society and how we can deal with it legally.
2: I think the name of that operation I was discussing in in the UK is called Operation Midland. I think that's what it's If you want to check it out, Operation Midland. Operation Midland, I think Okay,
1: definitely. For the vaccine question this evening, we asked you, obviously for your opinion, we want to know how you feel about this. What steps do you think should be taken to prevent or minimize sexual violence in workplaces and learning institutions?
3: I think that consequences like are important. I think that South Africa is a country that doesn't have a lot of consequences when it comes to um, gender-based um, violence, um, which includes sexual violence um, and obviously in workplaces like um, Yeah, so there's no, there's no like big consequences, you know, and I mean, look at South Point Um, someone, one of the building managers um, sexually assaulted one of the students, and then they fired him from the Bromfontein um, branch. But then I saw him working at the Pretoria um, South Point offices. So it's like there's no consequences, you know what I mean? And also, there are some companies that have a toxic and patriarchal um work culture which enables um you know people that um are those kind of people to 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 be very um to be to to like to to be those people you know sexual violence or sexual misconduct to other people so i think that if we could handle um having consequences like real consequences to people's actions then i think um that would be better because there's really no consequences
0: um i think the the uh, sexual violence in the workplace are really complex um there is number of uh, ads or reports that have been done in the workplace, but still not yet um, explain the reason why because there's are uh, issues of gender acts on particular uh, violence. For example, for instance, you find that some of uh, men in a the workplace they behave differently and some women that they will consider it as a violent uh sexual violence violent i mean to say so but it it doesn't make sense at some point because these policies uh are particularly protecting a particular gender but not the other gender and for example i mean let's look at the gay uh spaces that they get so violated but nobody talks about that because they are males therefore they belong in one gender group Which is according to the policies of uh, government, which is, you see, there's an ambiguity there. So, another step, taking action to those who are actually violating other um, people's rights is that um, in the workplace. Well, there is, it's really difficult again to explain the the course because of the, again, I mean, I can sexually violate someone, yet there, and then there's an investigation, but the investigation is not effective enough to deal with the issue because there's no evidence that proves that I sexually violated someone uh, because, I mean, now some people were actually suggesting that there should be cameras around, across the workplace, which is again, is the violating some private spaces and all those kind of things but ideally um i would i would think that we need to revise our policies and talk about our policies that are defining what rape is or in in, for example what sexual violence is, because now when you go to the university, I think again, sexual violence, it's been explained in a very complex way, and it has it has no definitive understanding of what uh, sexual violence is. And you find that some, for example, you find students they will go to Brahm and and go out with old guys, and then when they come to the university, they go out with the young guys and they consider that rape. Yet. The other person is not considered rape because he, you know, those complexities and defi- uh, defamation of the. But um, I, th- I think, to to summarize the whole thing is that we need new policies that defines the meaning of what sexual violence is, or oh, what gender, because I think these are two, these are two different things, gender. And sexuality, because our policies doesn't specifically address in those two things, because these two, these are the two terms are very, um, uh, what do you call, very different items, because they don't click. Like I said about the gay issues, that gays are mostly being left out, and that is actually marginalizing their sexuality identity. You know, so we need to readdress those kind of things.
1: Sure, that was interesting. The last point uh, got me there. I think he says let us open up the definition of sexual violence and include different genders
2: and sexual orientations as well. Yeah. Actually, our law has has, has changed uh, quite a bit. Uh, the Sexual Offences Act uh, will allow for... Um, um, uh, in the past, only a man could rape a woman, uh, and it could only be vaginally, mm-hmm. and uh, with the Sexual Offences Act that has changed, a woman can rape a man, a man can rape a woman, um, and... Um, and so that, Yeah. So a man can be raped nowadays, and it does happen.
1: And with different... Uh, what you call it resources because i remember there have been cases in the past where if it was a finger then it was not considered rape and etc etc
2: etc yeah but i mean our law has come a long way in practice okay i don't know if we've we've, we've met our requirements but um, the law itself yeah the definition has changed and it's become more inclusive
1: thank you so much for your foxes they were very very insightful Following this little break that we're going to take, we're going to be speaking to the Viz Gender Equity Office Director.
0: Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights, this is Law Focus.
2: Good evening and welcome back um, to Law Focus. We're discussing uh, sexual violence in the workplace and sexual violations um, that many, many, unfortunately, far too many of our about people are subjected to. On the line, I have Charlene Bjerkes, She's of the Vits Gender Equality Office. She's the director there, and um, we're very, very, very pleased to have her. Uh, hello, Charlene. Hi, How are
4: you? I'm,
2: I'm. I'm. I'm very well. Very well, and very excited to speak to you. I'm also here with um, with Millicent. Um,
1: Hi, Millicent. Hi, Miss
2: Buycus. Charlene. Charlene is fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, so, you work at the, at, at the VITS Gender Equality, uh, um, I don't know if many people know about it, and could you tell us a little bit about what work do they do, particularly with regard to what we're talking about today?
4: Sure, so the office is the VITS Equity Office, Gender Equity Office, um, and we've been designed to deal holistically with matters of a gendered nation, uh, nature sorry, across campus. Um, So our mandate is five-pronged in nature. Um, We receive and investigate complaints of a gendered nature. So any complaint, um, whether it be, as you would said earlier, you defined sexual assault versus harassment um, or gender bullying, that would then come to the office. We'd investigate it. Um, To continue recording where you left off, press four. So um, we would go according to what the complainant wants. Um, so if you, you are satisfied with your message, we press 1. Have, um, to listen to your message, press 2. To person, delete and re-record, press three. To continue so. recording where you left off, um, the press 4. is that we provide psychosocial support to our community. So that's a lot of our counseling and that's done by our clinical social worker. Um, and then we also review and develop new policies and protocols that help us to better do our work collectively with offices um, on campus. And then the last two points of the office really are around creating advocacy programs and promoting gender equity um, and doing that through student engagement, through staff engagement. Um, so in a nutshell, very quickly, that's what the office is tasked with doing.
1: It's a lot of work, it's a lot yeah. that you guys do. And it is. <laughs> for you guys, how, how, how have you as an office managed to um, define sexual violence
4: and sexual offences? So we've defined it in policies, in university policy, and it's quite a broad definition. Um I heard your one caller mentioning about policies that don't speak to people across yes. the gender spectrum. Um and we very intentionally state that this you know, sexual violence can be violence in same sex relationships, in relationships of the opposite gender. Across genders, um, and so sexual violence is also in keeping with the LRA um, Basic Conditions of Employment Sexual Offences Act. We've defined it within South African law, mm. um, but extended it to sort of include things like revenge porn, which isn't as yet legislated in the country,
2: yeah.
4: um, but on campus would be considered a form of sexual harassment. Interesting,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. and
1: and 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 what what, what? in your understanding can we attribute sexual violence to? What causes it?
4: So I think when we consider what causes sexual violence, we have to be careful to not try to pin it down to one or two societal issues. There are a litany of things. It's power, privilege, dominance, poverty, alcohol abuse, patriarchy, um, tradition and cultures that reinforce patriarchy or patriarchal structures, mental health issues, um, a, a bunch of societal norms that reinforce the marginalization of women, children, the queer community, um, the, the vulnerable in society.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, a, a lot of the, um, I mean, I mean uh, anybody is um, susceptible to becoming the victim of a sexual assault, Correct. but... I mean the majority of them are committed by men and they are committed against the most vulnerable of mm, our society. So it's very unlikely that somebody is going to come along and catcall me for instance, um, just as an example they would be, have serious problems. So you often find that it, it'll be the most vulnerable say it will be ladies and it will or women and it will be children who are subjected to these things. What do you say about people that might say and you know when you're sitting around uh, maybe the bra and so on Sometimes the attitude is sort of, and, and there's no one else around You sort of think, ah, oh, but boys will be boys You know what I mean mm. And they don't take it that seriously I'm not talking about rapes and so on But sort of, no, sure. you know That sort of Minimalizing uh, Inappropriate behavior You know, boys will be boys Have we made any progress there? So I
4: think that's one of those Normalized societal things Where we are not making progress Where, in those instances, it's actually not for women or the queer community to stand up and say, you know, actually, this isn't how we talk about people. This is where we need men and boys to call each other out, to hold each other to account and say, actually, this conversation, if we wouldn't have it. you know, in public space, why are we speaking this way privately? Um, Earlier you spoke about the Adam Casavella matter, right? The reason racists become comfortable with openly on social media saying things is because in private racist family members and friends aren't calling them out. Mm. Much the same with um, how men and young boys speak about women, speak about the queer community in spaces where they feel comfortable and feel that they can say those things, and as we see in society every day, those things then play out in public spaces, Mm. where we have the catcalling, where we have the grabbing of women, where we have sexual assaults and harassment because now that private space, we feel has extended thanks to amongst other things, social media Um, and so I don't think we're making the kind of progress we should be there and it's where we have to bring men, young boys, into the conversation and say to them, look, start holding each other accountable on the way we talk about vulnerable members of society when they're not in our presence.
1: hundred percent. And speaking of catcalling, which is something mm-hmm. that we often take for granted, and I'd like to start with it because it might seem like it's the lesser crime. Mm-hmm. Um If you really don't appreciate being catcalled and you consider it, because it is a form of harassment, because you don't want someone to catcall you, and yet they insist on doing it, what is it? that a person can, in all honestly, what can you do? Mm. You don't want to be catcalled, and this person insists on doing it, even if you try and say, because sometimes it might be someone you actually do know and maybe have some form of relationship with, not always a stranger, and you tell them, sure. stop it, I don't want to be called that, stop, and
4: they still continue, well, what do you do? So, to speak for on campus, you come to GEO, you come to the Gender Equity Office, and you let us know that you have, especially in your example, where you say you've you let this person know this conduct is unwelcome. This conduct now amounts to harassment. Come to the office and we will talk through with you various ways to deal with it. You know, some students just want us to have a conversation to say, your behavior is being noted, it's inappropriate, you need to stop. Mm. Some students may want a disciplinary process and then we'd go into that investigation mode Look at, is there a report that needs to be drafted, a hearing panel that needs to be set up? Um, mm. And in the, in, in the public space, so not on campus, and, and people can correct me if I'm um, incorrect here, you can go get a restraining order. Okay. You know, there is the Harassment Act.
2: You certainly which, can, Charlene. Which, you certainly which, can. which
4: makes sure that these sort of things don't happen. And it sounds mm. silly to say, well, I'm going to get a protection order against catcalling. Yeah. But unchecked behaviour escalates. Mm. Um, and so today it might be catcalling. Tomorrow you may be see- receiving unwanted sexual pictures via text. The following day you might have your backside grabbed. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it is important that as, as women, as vulnerable people, sometimes we think we are overreacting. Trust your gut. If you're not comfortable with it, overreact. Go get a restraining order. Come yeah. speak to Gio. Let's
1: let's do something. Absolutely. Yeah. And how prevalent is, is, is sexual violence in, in the workplace and especially on our college campuses. You'd think that universities are like safe spaces, progressive spaces, and yet it still happens.
4: Sure. But we must we must not forget that we have people coming from all over to our campuses. And so we can't assume we all think the same. Um, And so our university does look how the country looks. And so sexual violence, unfortunately, is prevalent, um, being a reflection of the country. Um, And especially when you consider that sexual, sexual violence is not just rape, which I think sometimes, because of the high numbers of rape in the country, we think of that as the only form of sexual violence, yeah. Yeah. but when the definition extends beyond that to stalking, grooming, sexting, and other verbal conduct, these are all forms of sexual violence. Um, the prevalence level will
2: increase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it will, if you don't do, um, you know, um, if you you really need to do something about it, nip it in the bud, so to speak. Correct, All and
4: right. it, it starts with those small things, that's yeah. the cat whistling, you know, the snide comments, yeah. mm. but yeah. as you say, conversations around the
2: bride. Yeah, ma- ma- make sure the person knows that it's inappropriate. Um, Correct. I just want to take you back, and I'm going to mm-hmm. sound like, like, I'm, I'm not not very nice guy, but I'm just going to take you back to the question that I that I asked a, 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 a little bit before. I consider myself a typical South African guy, okay? I'm youngish, black guy, uh, not mm-hmm. particularly uh, 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 political, so I'm not that concerned about a lot of the history, blah. I'm just a normal South African oak. You, I, I could be yeah. any color, actually. Okay, now, <clears throat> uh, why should I? really why should i concern myself with some feminist rhetoric and tell me why i mean this is what the guys are are busy asking themselves is this our problem do people just not have a chip on their shoulder i mean that's what they say what do you say to that
4: i i would bring it back to the race issue (laughs) that you know just because you personally are not involved or you personally are not a perpetrator it does not mean you are not part of a bigger problem. Yeah. Yes. Your silence adds to the confidence and I mean the audacity really of individuals to believe they can violate the person or integrity of another person. Mm. And so even you know your silence in some ways adds to that violence. And so therefore of any shade being quiet is still a problem. He is still maybe not as problematic and definitely not in law as problematic as the guy who actually assaults. But he adds to a greater societal, you know, we're concretizing in our minds that this behavior is okay because we're all keeping quiet about it. Mm. Um, And that's what I'd say to young men, old men who think that it's not their concern. Um, That actually your silence allows for horrific things to happen to very vulnerable individuals.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it takes... I mean, evil prevails when good men do nothing, and it really is true of questions like this. You, you don't really have to wait until it happens to you, to your daughter, to your mother. I mean, no, no, and yeah. you
4: know, there be studies around this, around the bystander effect and how our silence in watching violence happen and watching racism happen, um, just it it emboldens perpetrators. Um, and often we think that if I say something, I'm going to be the only one saying something about that slightly off-color joke. When probably all the other guys around the bride are having the exact same thought, but don't think they'd be backed up if
1: they'd said something. Mm. And, and Charlene, a lot of people who have been violated are scared of speaking out for mm. different reasons. What would sure. you advise... Survivors and uh, potential support systems, whether it's colleagues or friends, as well as <laughs> I know I'm giving you a lot, but how do we also spot a potential perpetrator?
4: Let me answer your first question last because it's a little bit easier. Okay. There is no type when it comes to a perpetrator, unfortunately, and so yeah. a perpetrator can be anybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's
4: it can true. be someone of any race, class gender, sexual yeah. orientation, you name it.
2: You'll find education.
4: perpetrators at every level of society.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, and we have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. That we we almost place ourselves in a more difficult position if we try to typecast the perpetrator. Um, and an example of that is that for a long time, rapists were thought to be men we met in the alleys. And now we know that. In fact, rapists are often intimate partners, people we know very well. Um, so, so anyone can be a perpetrator. Um, and then what I'd say to survivors is, you know, maybe rather to those of us who support survivors, we should not doubt their experience of harassment. Um, one person may not see kept calling as harassment, another may. And we need to appreciate that. Um, And we need to allow them a safe space to speak. And we don't do that by shooting down their experiences. Um, I would encourage survivors who don't feel they can speak out, especially on campus. We are a confidential office. Um, We don't put in any reports or write down anywhere who we've seen, what we've spoken about. So you're more than welcome to come in and have a... no commitment, confidential conversation with us. Um, and that often helps to just talk to someone, to to have a space to know that your experience has not been made up, um, which I think often survivors struggle with. Thank right. you so um, much for that, Charlene. Yeah.
1: And, and can you share your details? How can uh, we get a sure. hold of you?
4: So our office number is 11 9790 we're on Twitter. Our handle is at Um, You can drop us a DM. We have interns who reply almost immediately. And then we have a Facebook page, Vitz Gender Equity Office. Thank
1: you very much for joining
4: us, Charlene. You have been amazing. Thank you for having
1: amazing. We Unfortunately, we didn't even do time. everything we wanted to talk about, hey? <laughs> yeah,
2: but I mean, we really appreciate your, your, your time.
1: Thank, Thank you. It so really is my pleasure. Okay.
2: Thank you. Thank Bye. You.
1: And we'd like to thank you for also tweeting. We see that you are interested in the topic. You like what you're hearing. You are confused. And yeah. some of you are saying, no, you'll be fired from your job. What do you do? So, let's address this one. Absol- Can you not be criminally convicted for sexual harassment? Let's undo the confusion.
2: Right. I mean, we don't, I don't want to give hard and fast definitions. But when I talk about sexual harassment, what I'm talking about is in the workplace, say, for example, somebody who is constantly... Um, say asking you out, making inappropriate jokes. Um, someone uh, not 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 making may not touching or anything like that, but making inappropriate jokes, inappropriate comments. Uh, that wouldn't be enough to to uh, carry a criminal conviction. Of course, if it went beyond that. So, for instance, um, things like upskirting and making uh, videos in in, in 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 restrooms and and touching and that. Now that would be enough. Can we course. ask then
1: why? Why is that the case? Why? I can't the cat calling be
2: enough? Uh, you, because you, you need to have some sort of sexual assault or an assault at the very least for it to be um, uh, criminally liable, you see. And I don't think that. Catcalling would be enough to do that. There's no threat of assault there. It's inappropriate. It's, it's unwanted. But I, I don't think it goes as far as a criminal conviction. Do you think this is an
1: opportunity that. perhaps for the law to then further no. open up? You don't think so? No. <laughs> no, Why not?
2: No. I, I think that oh, where we are now in terms of... of, of um, um, of our, our our laws isn't a bad space, but we should be able to implement it in a in a better way. If we made cat calling a criminal offence, we would have serious problems. I think, really serious uh, problems.
1: Remember, we you can still continue the tweets. We can continue the debates. We can talk about this. What Teppo has just said. Do you agree with Tepo? Is it going to be a problem opening up the floodgates, or can we actually continue having you know this conversation on whether or not we can continue opening up the doors? Teppo, final. Session.
2: Yeah, um, you know, in the end, uh, what people will remember isn't so much what their enemies said or or did. It's the fact that their friends... Didn't say or do anything, and you really need to remember that when you're thinking about things like sexism or racism, bigotry, all of those kinds of things, misogyny, it isn't so much that you aren't a part of it; you're not the violator. It isn't as important as the fact that you, in your silence, have allowed something to happen. So, as a man, and we are the problem. Yes, not all men are rapists, not all men are trash, but really, uh, a significant portion of us are and that's enough for all of us to take responsibility for it let's do that only we can change it
1: and if you are a student on campus or you are looking for help as someone who is um, in the vicinity in Bramfontein we have the VITS gender equity office if you need any help you want to speak to someone or you want to for future reference twitter page at VITS, GEO facebook gender equity office or you can dial them on 011-717-9790. We'd like to thank Charlene Birkas, who is the director at the Gender Equity Office right here at First, for joining us on the show. We also have our podcast that you can find on IONO.FM if you would like to see any of the shows that you might have missed or you want to come back to a former show. Otherwise, we've got the total ca- package coming up with Caesar the MC and DLXL. From our producers, Simba Honde, our technical producer, Gutrano Sirame, our Law Focus researchers, Sise Tuzingelwa, Nelka Mamate, Khalalet Zangkami, Sipati Makafani, Sapa Muhapi, and myself, Millicent Ndiweni. Thank you for tuning into Law Focus tonight.
0: Law Focus, and you your right. Law Focus Podcast.